So we are continuing uh, our new series, The Spirit. And uh, Chris started us off last week and uh, led us through a little bit, I guess, of the, the moments from when Jesus uh, was risen to when he, he left the early church and they began to kind of um, uh, move in the things of the Spirit. And I'm going to carry on this week um, talking a little bit. Oh, excuse me, my belt's undone. <laughs> There you go. I had to get changed in between the baptisms. That wouldn't be good if my trousers fell down. Um, so I'm going to carry on and talk a little bit about one aspect of um, the Holy Spirit and how we uh, engage with him. So I'm going to read from uh, a book called 1 Corinthians. And uh, it's, it's quite a long passage. Uh, it'll be on the screen. And I'm breaking in a brand new Bible with this. Woo! So hopefully uh, it will do us well and stuff. Uh, but it's, uh, it's in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6. And uh, the writer has been talking about a, a whole bunch of stuff uh, up to this point. And uh, there's lots of friction going on within this church and uh, this church in Corinth. And just some bad stuff going on that people aren't getting along. They're being very selfish. Um, they're, they're, they're dividing in different groups during communion. There's people just sort of getting drunk. It, it's, it's, it's crazy and sounds like a cool church to be at. <laughs> Because there's exciting stuff kind of happening, but kind of a horrible place as well. Um, and in the middle of writing this thing, he's just kind of uh, started listing the kinds of people that um, will not enter into the, the kingdom of God. He started listing uh, the kind of behaviors that, that um, are sinful, uh, not good. But then he goes into uh, something else. So that's kind of where we come from and where we're going to go. Because we're kind of meeting this uh, in the middle uh, sort of thing. So, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. Okay. And hopefully, if I can have the first page actually of my PowerPoint. Uh, there we go. Okay. So, actually, from verse 9. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin and who worship idols and commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or who are abusive or, or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says this about this church, even though they're doing some of those things. He says, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed, you were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say the food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food, um, which is true. Though someday God will uh, do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised the Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say, the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord in one, uh, is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body 
is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself for God bought you at a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Now, uh, kind of a strange bunch of verses there. I'm not going to lambast you for your sexual sin or or anything like that. And in a way, I want you to kind of just hear that stuff, but kind of discount it for a while. Because actually, he's talking about something else in there that's really, really interesting. About the spirit and about how we interact with the spirit. Let me first ask you a question. Um, Who's got a mobile phone on them right now? P. Hannah, come on. Hannah, hi. Don't be shy. Okay, you're right. Okay, who's got uh, car keys or house keys on them? Okay, who's got uh, a wallet or a purse? Okay, if we can have the offering again. Um, Don't you hate it when you leave the house and you've forgotten something? Don't you? I always do this. You know, there's there's that moment when you're at the door and you have that feeling of something is not right. Do you ever get this? And it's only as you get too far from your house to be able to go back that you remember. I hate this. And nowadays, kind of, I guess mobile phones are the big thing, right? Who, who has had a day or a time when they've lost their mobile phone like lately? How did you feel? Tell me how you felt. Naked. Naked. <laughs> That's really a good answer, but very keen. Uh, anyone else? Sorry? Lost. Depressed. Depressed? Yeah, okay. It is, it's funny, you know, these little things we've got, phones and keys and wallets and whatever. Something happens when you forget something, you feel like, oh no, I mean, I know there's days when I've forgotten my wallet and a whole bunch of stuff, but I've still got my phone, so it's okay. But then there's a day, like you say, when you forget your phone and you do feel a little bit like cut off from the world. And I think to myself, this is ridiculous. I used to not have a phone, like when I was born. And I was like, perfectly happy. But nowadays, there's this thing where you're just like, oh. There's something about, you know, uh, we know we want to have certain stuff with us. And we kind of, we need it. It's our stuff. And what's going on here, part of, amongst all the personal stuff that the pastor is writing to this church in this particular place at that particular time about their sexual sins and different things and prostitution and all that stuff. What's going on there is, what he's actually saying is that there is something with the follower of Jesus, that they, will, they can never forget in, in that they cannot leave it behind. He's saying that the Holy Spirit of God for the believer is always, always with the Christian. The Holy Spirit is always with us. And this is kind of what I want to talk about today, that the place of, of God's Spirit with us and why is he with us and what is he up to? Now, we can still forget, even though he's always with us and he's the one constant thing. Even if you're butt naked and out, you wake up somewhere. A friend of mine uh, was at sleepwalks and she woke up naked outside our house once, <laughs> which is kind of alarming. But even then, the Spirit of God was with her. Also, embarrassment and stuff. Uh, but, you know, God's with us no matter what. But sometimes we do forget. I don't know how, if you're a follower of Jesus, whether you got up this morning and as you were eating your breakfast and, and rushing and maybe if you were married, as you were beginning your, your, your regular Sunday argument on the way to church, uh, whether you thought the Spirit of God is with me, always. It's not something that always stays with us. I'm sure that many of us, we get to a point where we've learned this, you've heard this, 
But actually, as a day-in, day-out reality, I think it slips away from us and we do forget it. And we don't think, if we had to pick it up, if we had to take the Holy Spirit with us, it might not be for us all the essential thing. It might not be the thing that we'd really miss. So the Holy Spirit is always with us. Always. Now, that's a, a weird thing. Just think about that. Always with us. Every moment. Every single moment is with us. In the great moments where you're, you're just brilliant, you're team Jesus, you're scoring, it's great. But the bad moments where it all just crumbles and the horrible moments where life just beats you a little bit. God's spirit is with you, always. When you're doing the things you know you should be doing and you've heard something from God or you've read the Bible and you're going for it, in those moments God's spirit's with you. In the moments where you're hoping God is not with you, where you think maybe God is not looking and in those moments God's still with us. So this talk today can be a really comforting thing, can be really a really good thing for you or it can be like a bit of a worrying thing. You know, a bit unnerving when you start to really play it out and think about baths and showers and other actions you need to take. Um, it can be a bit alarming. But it's true. What the, the, the guy writing to the church in Corinth is saying is true. And he's saying to him, don't you realize that God's spirit is in you? That whatever you do, wherever you go, you take Jesus with you. So a couple of questions. Um, why does God's spirit live in us? I mean, you kind of think about it, you thought, well, yeah, why does he have to live in us all the time? I mean, couldn't, couldn't he just visit every now and then, right? You know, like, like a relative or a good friend every now and then, you, you've got a problem. God looks down and he sees you need some work in this area. Maybe you're lying or maybe you're lusting or maybe whatever. So God says, right, we need to spend a couple of weeks with Rick. Get down there. And he turns up. It's like, come dine with me. You know? Is it, is it a come dine with me, the one where they stay as well, or is that a different one? Anyway, there's that one part. Anyway, uh, couldn't he do that? Or could not God just change us straight away at the moment of conversion? Can't God just remove our stuff, the stuff that holds us back and, and messes us up? Well, I'm not kind of trying to teach grandma to suck eggs, but if you know, if you read, the, uh, you read the Old Testament, you'd see that God visiting didn't work. God visiting and showing up and giving his spirit at certain times, in certain places, to certain people, didn't work. It didn't work. The story of the Old Testament is one of God pursuing people and trying to draw them into his presence. And the reply or, or the, what happens is that we generally are the ones we shy away from God's presence. And we, we move out of the light. This is the story of the Old Testament. You read it. It happens again and again. Israel is embraced by God and then rejects God and moves away. And God embraces Israel and they reject God and moves away. So visiting doesn't work. So when Jesus comes, Jesus, after years of trying to be close to people that way is, is doing something different. God has a different plan for those of us who choose Jesus. And if you look at the, 
one of the verses there. It says, You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now, about you, you know, you talk about being made right. You think it's, you wouldn't necessarily always tag the Spirit on there. You'd say, I was made right when I trusted in Jesus and his, his death on the cross. And because of that, I'm now fine. But here's a church leader writing to a church and he says, No, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. He adds this extra element to it. And the truth is that Christ deals with so much stuff on the cross and he breaks so many curses and and the brokenness that was on us. But really, if that's all that happened, it was half the job. Because God is not interested in you just being sin-free. He's interested in you being God-full, full of life. And this is where the Spirit comes in. Jesus deals with the, the old life, the brokenness, and the Spirit comes and what his job is and why he comes to live with you right where you are in every situation is what he's looking to do is bring life into your life. He's looking in every moment to, to teach you about who Jesus is and about what you have walked into, what you've joined to. You are now, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are now, as this guy says, one with God, united in spirit with God. And God does not look to force you to be good. God is not looking to just take little the bits off us so we don't even know what we're doing. We're just all of a sudden good robot Christians. But what he wants us to do is learn what real life is and learn to make the choices that end in life and end in goodness and end in God's will. Have you ever noticed how um, the more time you spend with someone, in close proximity with someone, the more you take on their characteristics? I, uh, I just rewired my house uh, with Monkey Ben. Now, some of you know Monkey Ben. Uh, some of you actually think that Monkey is his first name. Uh, but he's, he's one of my best mates, and uh, he's an electrician. I used to work with him. So we got this great rapport. So when it came to rewiring my house, instead of paying a lot and doing it properly, me and Ben did it. And uh, they, got up, they got to a point where we were working like, like 15 hour days trying to get this thing done in about four days. And it was weird because we became like a strange married couple where we were finishing each other's sentences and coming up with exactly the same joke at exactly the same time. And have you ever had that where you suddenly, you just seem to connect with someone and you're both trying to say something and you say exactly the same thing, so you stop. And then you try again and you say, that's where we were. Just totally like weird. And you get like this. The people you work with. I, I, sometimes I work with Sam Lane. And I often time, find myself um, saying things like Sam says them. And it freaks me out a little bit. You know? And I like to think actually Sam originally got that from me. So I'm just taking it back. Um, when I, I'm married. So uh, Zoe and I. We often know each other's w- what we're going to do. And she's taken on some of, some of the characteristics you know, so sometimes when we're out driving and someone cuts her up, she uses my exact unique blessing on that person. And I just, I'm so proud. I'm so proud. Something happens when you spend time with people. There, there are people in your life that you spent a, a chunk of time with them. 
And for me, it was between 11 and about 21. I spent a bunch of time with a bunch of skateboarders and, and people I kind of just found myself with. And they shaped so much of who I am today, my language and some of the ways I approach things. Something happens when you spend a lot of time with someone who is in your life, in your face, all the time. You just begin to exchange characteristics and words and phrases and mannerisms. This is why God chooses to give us his spirit. The spirit is not some strange force that looks to zap us and make us right. He is the very person of God. He is the very person, the personality, a unique individual in the Trinity who comes to live with us. And what happens is the more we speak to him and the more we allow him to speak to us, the more we begin to be shaped by who he is. And you begin to take on the characteristics of God. There's another, I think it might be in Corinthians or in 2 Corinthians, where it talks about um, that we are just continually just being transformed from glory to glory as we reflect Christ. As we just spend time with Jesus, spend time with the Holy Spirit, we just begin to get like him. We begin to get his catchphrases and have his mannerisms. But a couple of questions for you. Do we live with an awareness of the Spirit? Do you live with an awareness of the Spirit? Now, some confusion here because the Holy Spirit is to do also, he is the dynamic, active power of God. And as a result, sometimes he has been sidelined to just being that. So he is for when we pray for people or he is for when a, a massive thing happens or you read the, the first book of the Bible and you, it says the spirit of, the God was, uh, spirit of God was brooding over the waters and then it begins to do stuff. In fact, any time in scripture the Holy Spirit turns up, stuff is happening. So sometimes we can kind of relegate the Holy Spirit to just being that action of God. And although that's part of who he is and what he's about, he's the person of God and he is with us, in you, as a follower of Jesus, to begin to change you, begin to transform you, to be more like Jesus, to be more actually who you really are. He's shaping you so you fit into the grooves that you were always supposed to fit into. And I think we struggle with this awareness of the Spirit because of who the Spirit is and and our inability to really get a grasp on what he's like. Because we talk about the Father and and most of us at one point, well all of us at some point, even if we don't know them now, we had fathers. Or maybe you you are a father, so you have some idea of what a father would be like and how he reacts and what he looks like and his composure. Many of us here are sons, or maybe we have sons now, and we understand what it is to be a son, what it is to to carry the name of our father and all that. So we we, we don't struggle so much with Jesus. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, not many of us had a spirit with us or stuff like that. That actually, the, the, the Holy Spirit is a harder one to grasp because we don't have this pre cut, sort of cookie cutter shape for Him. But actually, he is amazing. And what we need to do as Christians is is be aware that God has come to to live in us. And it's not easy. And there are no easy answers to say, this is how it looks and this is how you do it. But it's about he lives with you now. Jesus said to his disciples in John, 
that uh, before he died, he says, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, and they say, well, what are you talking about? And, and he says, you will know him, because he's with you now, but later on he'll be in you. He's with you now, and later on he'll be in you. So, so for you and I, God is now within us. He's in us. So we need now to stop paying attention and be aware of that. So going to the Corinthians, the Corinthians are up to all kinds of naughtiness. And uh, Paul knows what they're going to say when he says, you know, that you're Christians and you're supposed to live this way and supposed to live that way. And he kind of has this little argument with them. And he says, so you say I'm allowed to do anything. Because we're Christians, right? And, And I think we do often, we don't have trouble accepting the love and forgiveness of God. Sometimes we do, but... The more you walk with God, the more, even though you still struggle, the more you, you, you know that God will forgive you, that God is gracious and God is kind. But the Christian life is not just about relying on that kindness and goodness, but realizing that God has come to live with you now and there's a new way for you to live. You don't just get forgiveness for your old way. You get a promise of a, a new way. So he says to them, uh, they say, I'm, not, I'm allowed to do anything. But he says, not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. He's saying to them, look, God is now within you. God is now within you. He actually goes on to say, we are the temple of God. We are the temple of God. He says, now you need to be different. Your lives need to change. The activities that go on within you, the way you you live needs to alter. Because God has not just visited you. God stayed. God has not just done away with your sin, but God is now living in you and wants to lead you into life. It's a a different deal. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that leads you to some questions. Well, what what is fit for a temple? What goes on in a temple? What are temples about? And this is his argument with the Corinthians here. He's saying, look, you've got all this stuff going on. You've got sexual sin and prostitution and homosexuality and all this stuff. And yeah, you might be Christians. You might actually have walked into the grace and forgiveness of God. But what you need to realize now is that's not something off in the distance that happened on the cross. That actually now God has come to live in you. So anything you do, anywhere you go, you take Jesus with you. Now, I don't know if you're sitting there thinking about it and thinking, that's a hard concept to get. And it is. It is an amazingly hard concept to get. That wherever you go as a follower of Jesus, in some way, you take God with you. We have this thing where we think there are moments or times when God's not seeing us. And sometimes we go and we ask for forgiveness, like God's just finding out. Oh God, you won't believe what I've done. You know? That's not how it is. God is in you. He knows everything. In, uh, in Romans 12, it talks about um, no longer conform to the patterns of this world, but, um, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And uh, one of the words in there, uh, that word renewal, it, it, the root word is uh, uh, the word we get renovate from. And he's saying to this church, well, these group of churches in Rome, and he's saying, look, no longer just live like you did because things are different now. The Holy Spirit's in you. So what you've got to do now is allow God to transform you 
by renewing your mind, by renovating the way you function. And I hate to go on, but you know, when we when we moved, you know, there was still stuff, some of the stuff from the old house, I had to get up in the loft and move some stuff, and there was still stuff in the shed. And what happens when you you get a new house or you or you move somewhere, you know, you you have to take the old stuff out. Some of you, if you buy a really horrible house, and horrible fireplaces and, and, and rotten ceilings and fixtures, and you get there and you just go, ugh, this is just horrible. And you have to slowly renovate. And renovation, there's two things involved. There's the ripping out and there's the putting in. And what God's Spirit wants to do, what the Holy Spirit's job is, for us as followers of Jesus, is to come in and to begin to take out the things that are out of place, the things that have no place in the temple, and begin to move in the correct furniture. Renovation, renovation, renovation. It's what God's about. It's why the Holy Spirit's living in us. And we need to embrace this because God doesn't force things on us. He could. God could force things on us like you wouldn't believe. But he doesn't. He invites us. He, he welcomes us. And if you're a follower of Jesus today, you have God's spirit with you. He's in you. And what he wants to do is he wants to move some things around. And he's going to ask you and he's going to say, that's not right for you. That's not right. That doesn't belong in a temple, that thing. You need to move that out. And this is good. And I love the fact that God doesn't just take things from us just because he wants to. Because he's spiteful, but he takes them because there are better things to go in their place. Let's pray, and then we'll have a chance for some questions. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have come to live in us and uh, explain this to us, Lord. Help us understand how to walk with your Holy Spirit. Help us get it, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Rich will uh, roam around a bit with a mic and, and feel free to just ask a question. There are no wrong questions except you know, the wrong ones. So just put your hand up where you are and he'll come to you. If not, we'll, we'll have an early lunch. Yeah, I was having a conversation with a friend the other week, a Christian friend of mine, and he said to me, have you got a close personal relationship with God? I said, yeah. I said, you feel the Holy Spirit? I said, well, yeah. And he said, um, I don't get that, um, that feeling of don't feel close to God. I said, what am I doing wrong? But I had uh, trouble explaining to him how your relationship with God is sort of close and personal, but what would you say to someone like that? Um. I'd ask them, well, what have they experienced of God before? There's a, there's a moment, I'm actually going to talk a bit about it, Burn tonight actually. There's a moment in Acts, in Acts 19, where Paul is traveling around and he finds some, a group of believers who have not actually been baptized in the Holy Spirit and they get talking to him and he finds this out. And he's like, you know, what baptism did you experience? And they said, John's baptism. And they, said, and they started to explain about what about the Holy Spirit and, and, and all this. And they said, we, don't even, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit, you know, whatever. And Paul prays for them. And, and at the end, it just sort of says, you know, there were, there were like 12 of them there and they got prayed for. And I think 
that because God's Spirit's come to live in us, that doesn't mean he automatically is, is, is running riot, changing things. He does begin to, to do his, work his own agenda, but there is, there, is a, there is an element of cooperation with it. And I think I'd say to your mate, I'd say, look, um, has, has anyone ever really explained to you that what God wants is not just some encounter with you every now and then, but right now, every moment? And you could pray for him and just you can put a hand on him and just say, uh, come Holy Spirit. And it's interesting, uh, in that bit in Acts, he doesn't say to them, uh, what do you believe? What baptism, you know, did you know? He said, what did you experience? What did you experience? And I think for many people, they've got a working relationship with God on one level where there's some kind of theological agreement and also maybe there's some experiences they have had, but it's not an ongoing thing where each day they're going, right, Lord, speak to me, move and act. So I just encourage, you can just encourage him just to, or her, to uh, just pursue God in that and, and see what changes, you know. So, yeah. God doesn't do everything, but if we open ourselves to him, he can begin to, you know, do stuff, so. Cool. Rick, just a quick question. Do you believe, or do you think, there's a time where the Holy Spirit will actually leave the person and the type of sin that person has? <clears throat> no, not really. Um, there's some sort of there's a lot of questions about it. it's because of Jesus and because Jesus says these things and doesn't explain them sometimes it's really awkward and uh, this bit where Jesus talks about you know if you blaspheme against the Father you'll be forgiven you blaspheme against the Son you'll be forgiven but anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit they can't be forgiven and, and that's thrown some confusion on, onto the is there suddenly this point where one day you're in the fridge and you eat some rotten yogurt and God goes no you've gone too far and uh, you know the spirit the spirit leaves you know um, but I think that was, I think Jesus is talking about something different there so I mean I personally no I don't think so um, there's a lot of advice in the Bible to, to find out what pleases the Lord and to not grieve the spirit and um, I think there's, there's ways we can live where we grieve God's spirit in that God is in us and, but we're doing stuff and God is just like this is just disgusting and this is just horrible but I've yet to find proof in, in my life or some scriptural thing that says that God would leave at that moment because of the work of Christ enough has been done to deal with the rottenness even though in that moment they're, they're not cooperating with God it seems that God will not leave in that moment but um we can get if we if we continually just ignore the voice of God and ignore God's presence, we become quite dead to it, and our ears become numb. And in Hebrews, he talks about you know don't be like Israel, don't be like in the desert where they harden their heart, and it's almost like they went deaf and dumb because they continually disobeyed God. And it's not that God stopped speaking to them, but His voice in their heads kind of grew faint because they built up all this stuff. So no, I, I personally don't think. There's a, 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 a place where a Christian would do something that God would remove his spirit. But I do think that there's things we can do and be doing and, and do, let's, let's be honest, that, that grieve God, you know, and, and, and disrupt our relationship with God. So I don't know if that answers it completely. but And that, that blessing the Holy Spirit thing, I've got an answer to that, but it's long and involved. So if you want to talk to me after, if that's bothering you, come talk to me and I'll tell you, but it takes a while. 
Any other uh, questions before we... No? One more. Hey, Joe. Hi. Um, what's, I hear many Christians talk about inviting the Holy Spirit in lots of meetings and things mm. that I've been in. It's always, you know, come Holy Spirit, let's invite the Holy Spirit. But we also talk about the Holy Spirit always being with us, always being present. Yeah. It seems to be like a quite a confusing kind of concept I mean is he kind of partially there yeah. you know if you had if you invited a friend around for dinner and they were sat with you you wouldn't say oh I need to invite them but yeah. they're already here yeah. it's uh, yeah I guess it's just something that I'd like you know just to hear your thoughts on yeah I, I was talking about this with someone uh, <coughs> uh, the other week because they, they, they were saying the same thing if God's always with us why do we have to invite him why do we have to say come why do we have to say more Lord and I said well, it is confusing because scripturally we look at it and we go, God is always with us. But practically in, in living our lives, we experience it in meetings and in little groups and when we're praying for people. As we welcome God and invite God to do stuff, more happens. It's just, it's just the way it goes. More happens. I had a friend of mine who's... Uh, um, Baby was very ill, born amazingly ill, very premature and re- lots of trouble with his lungs and stuff. And he sent out prayer requests and he said, there was a funny thing. He said, I, I, I don't agree with this, but when I had a particular time, his prayer request went to a church in Korea of 30,000 people. He said, when that church was praying, my son got better. But when they stopped, he's worsened. And he had this tension of like, what's going on there? And part of what I think is, is why we invite God and why we say more and why there's a friction there is because, like you said, you said, when I invite someone around for dinner, you know, or when someone comes around, I don't then invite them. And I think this is the trouble. When we think of the Holy Spirit, we, we think of him as in terms of a person. And I know I've been saying he's a person, but he's the personality, but he's not actually like me or like you. There is a difference in, the, in the, the presence of God by his spirit. And it's, there's this thing where God can be with us. So right now, God in this room is with us. But as we begin to ask God to, to do stuff and ask God's Holy Spirit, come, Lord Jesus, and do this, begin to heal people, begin to speak to people, God somehow adds more. And I don't understand it, but that's because God is so immense and God is so different to, to you and I. And Jesus spoke about the spirit as a person. He used very personal language. But he also said, you know, it, it's that, that word for spirit, ruach, is just wind. And he talked about it just appears here and it appears there. And you don't know what's happening. So it's almost like there's this tension where you've got to go, God is with me all the time. So when I get up in the morning, I go to work, God's with me. But actually, as we stop and we ask for more and we ask God to really speak to us. Actually, somehow God does more. And I don't have the great theology, but I just, I just know it's true. And any of you, some of you have been on the prayer ministry team. Some of you have maybe been to an Alpha Day, the Holy Spirit Day. And there becomes a moment where you, maybe you've had a sense of God there. But when people begin to ask for more, you, you get more, right? So we have to live in this tension where the, the, the Bible says, you know, God's always with us. And that's true. But then the practical outworking where actually when you wait on God and you invite the spirit, God seems to pour just more and more. And it's Jesus said, it, you know, that um, you'd be full to overflowing. And you always think, well, it's a bit wasteful. Can't you just fill me? Put a cap, you know, screw, 
job done. But God's actually, God is so immense and what God wants to do is so huge that it's different to how we can view it. That God can do more and more and more and more and just keep adding it. And it's what's great about the Spirit, but it's sometimes where the tension is, right? Because you get up in the morning, you, you pray, and you invite God, and you think maybe that's it. But actually, maybe there was, you could press in, and maybe there was more for you that day. Well, there is more for all of us. So it's a, it, I feel that tension, but that's how I view it. You have to go, this is what the Word of God says, and this is how we're experiencing God. And they're not divorced from one another. You don't say, you know... This is completely right if it's against your experience. You don't say, this is completely right if it's against the word. You have to look for where they match and go, okay, I'm beginning to get a picture of how God works. So is that, is that a good answer? That's cool. Nearby. Yeah. Final one, because it's ten past one. Anyone wants one more? Just one more rich over there, and then we'll call it a day. Is it five past one or ten past one? Seven. seven. Oh, I'll take the Seven. Cool. Yeah, sorry. When I um, let Jesus into my heart, I um, had a really amazing experience, and it was like my whole life rushed, my past life rushed before my eyes, and I'd had led quite a sinful life, and um, it, I just saw all the times that I've, the Holy Spirit was there, even if I, even though I didn't know the Holy Spirit, like had saved me, pulled me out of ditches, and God knows what, and. I just wondered if that, was that the Holy Spirit? Was that, you know, God helping me? Or was that just luck? I think so. I think so. Because I, um, I think as we go through life, we do experience, even before we call on Jesus, we, we experience moments with God. But it's only as we come to Jesus we get a name for it. And there are times where I, I experience stuff before as a Christian. And now, uh, when I'm with God, I get a deja vu moment. And it's almost like, oh, I remember that time. That was you. That was you. And I think it's perfectly okay to have moments where we grow. My, uh, my daughter um, walked for the first time yesterday. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. But the first time she crawled, she thought the world had just landed on her doorstep. She was like, I can crawl! And she's crawling everywhere. And it was just a real moment of growth. But then she didn't know a few weeks later there would be this other thing where she stands up and she walks. And what walking with the spirit is what learning to talk to the holy spirit and learning what god wants to do is realizing yeah we've experienced god and you've had those moments and you can look back and say there god was doing stuff before that but as well you you go actually there's more there's always more and right now you're thinking walking is just the best thing but there's more and god like a father just knows there's so much ahead and there's so much he's got to show us but it does take a, a cooperation with the Spirit. So I'll just, I'm going to pray and finish, but I'll just encourage you guys, um, just ask God, say, God, this Holy Spirit thing, let me understand it. If you're with me today, I want to have as much as you as I can, can bear. Speak to me and, and change me. Just call on God and see what he does. Let me just pray.